Welcome, everybody. This is Face Off with Chris. I am your host, Christy Francesco, and this is going to be a very aggravating show if you are one of those ultra positive, like, you know, you love being walked over or you like to be strapped to a railroad in Phillies apparel with John Middleton about to run you over with a train type of Phillies fan. You know what I mean? As if, you know, anything that they do, you'll support, uh, you know, you are part of that problem. However, I won't make this about the fan base because that's a topic for a whole other show. Uh, you know, I, I constantly get ripped uh, to shreds for being labeled negative, you know, quote unquote negative as if you can see what I just did there, when it pertains to Philadelphia sports. So let me provide some enlightenment as to why I have every right to be consistently negative towards this city and its sports teams. Okay, so let, let me just start with uh, the topic of this show, which is the Philadelphia Phillies. They have two titles since 1883. Yes, since 1883. Uh, that's two World titles, arguably the worst franchise in pro uh, sports history. Uh, obviously, we know they have the most losses in sports history. Uh, then you go over to the Philadelphia Eagles, one singular world title uh, since the inception of the Super Bowl uh, 55 years ago. The Philadelphia 76ers, two world titles since 1963, none since 1983. Uh, and then for your Philadelphia Flyers, uh, two titles since 1967, not one since 1975. So in a sports city, a major market, four for four, the city has had a total of seven world championships since 1883. Um, now, it, it, in what world should I be positive I mean, really, please grace me with a divine intervention of brilliance um, as to why I should every day wake up a Philadelphia sports fan and just ooze uh, positivity, right? Uh, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do, just, just ignore uh, just how awful overall every single franchise, uh, pro franchise in Philadelphia is just overall just not good. Um, and just maddening to follow. Um, so when I'm negative against any team, I provide facts. Rarely am I am I wrong with that 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 kind of uh, opinion that I have. When I am right, I receive zero credit. The Flyers, I've been right about them since I started covering the team back in 2006. Phillies, I mean, basically. I call every event before it even happens with them, but to the fans' credit and other people's credit, so do they. They're a very simple team to figure out, uh, especially when it comes to upper management. They're just uh, uh, they're just brutal um, when it comes uh, to you know shock or surprise, uh, you know building a farm system stuff like that. You know you know that if there's needs for the team, more likely than not, they either won't address them or They'll spend money uh, in the wrong places, and obviously I will definitely uh, get into that. The Eagles, I really haven't missed that much. However, this season is proving many of the opinions I've expressed both here uh, and on social media are rearing its ugly head to be correct. 
Um, the Sixers don't even get me started. The process, the process, a total scam. You've all been hoodwinked, bamboozled, and most importantly, you all have been lied to. Uh, and I just sit back and I fold my hands and I laugh at all of you who continue to believe that there's something to this whole process uh, scam. Um, you know, I still don't think Embiid or Ben Simmons is an answer to this team. They won't win a championship with either of those guys. Um, but I'll sit back and I'll just let that continue uh, to, to crumble. So here's the reason for this episode, and it focuses around the Philadelphia fighting Phillies, right? So with their season over, the Phils uh, need, let's just go with this. The, the Phils need four relievers. They need a center fielder. They need a shortstop. And they need at least another starting pitcher. Uh, they'll probably definitely need a catcher as well, since JT Real Muto's return seems just incredibly unlikely, uh, especially if you ask MLB.com's Todd Zalecki, who wrote the following in his 2020 offseason notebook. Uh, he, and I quote this here. Uh, Real Muto is a lock to receive a one-year $18.9 million qualifying offer, which must be made no later than five days following the final game of the World Series. Real Muto has 10 days to accept or reject that offer. He will obviously reject it. If he accepts it, he is no longer a free agent and is signed to a one-year deal with the Phillies. Real Muto is eyeing a record-shattering contract for a catcher, perhaps in the $200 million range. If he rejects the qualifying offer and signs elsewhere, the Phillies will receive draft pick compensation. It will be a small consolation prize, especially if they match if they watch Miami's Sixto Sanchez pitch against them for the next several years within the division. Regardless, the club is not optimistic that Real Muto will return. So John Middleton spoke during uh, his recent Zoom call about the lack of revenue resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic and the absence of fans uh, at Citizens Bank Park. And, you know, we've already heard that the Phillies are going to lose, you know, upwards of near $200 million uh, due uh, to the pandemic, and, and, and obviously there, it's already been public that the Phillies, unfortunately, are going to start you know, letting uh, employees go, letting a lot of people go, and, and, and furloughing them. Um, so that's that's where they stand right now. Uh, Middleton you know, bluntly stated that the team won't be able to determine uh, that they can do what they can do from a money standpoint and a budget standpoint until they actually have an idea of re revenue, what revenue is going to look like in 2021. The positive note is as of right now, uh, you know, as of what's today, uh, I'm recording this on a Tuesday, you know, as of Tuesday, the the Philadelphia Eagles uh, will have at most 7,500 fans for their game uh, Sunday uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. So there's at least a positive uh, step forward that we might get fans uh, in Citizens Bank Park in 2021 come April, uh, which would be just fantastic. But now sticking to to the, the topic there, Real Muto will turn 30 in March. And that also plays a factor. It's not like they'd be handing out a record deal to a guy in his mid-20s, just like they did with Bryce Harper uh, a little, uh, little under two years ago. The other issue is that even if they give Real Muto a big payday, 
they've got a ton of holes elsewhere in the roster, which means that they might be better trying to spread that money around um, to patch up the team versus going, you know, ballistic and spending quote unquote stupid money on one single player. You know, it's really hard to have a team where you have a guy making $330 million and another guy making $200 million, let's say, right? Because that's what Real Muto um, uh, uh, apparently is going to be seeking. The thing that hurts, of course, and this is what really gets me, is that they gave up Sanchez and a serviceable backup catcher in Jorge Alfaro to get Real Muto. Normally, you'd never move a top prospect like that without knowing for sure that you would sign a guy like JT Real Muto to a long-term deal, which means... Which is apparently what Middleton wanted all along, right? But you know, but by the by the sound of it, it doesn't sound uh, by the, by how easy for me to say by how Middleton explained it, especially in the Zoom call. You know, he made it seem like you know we we knew that when we traded for JT Romuto, we were going to be taking on two years of service time, and that was it. So that's where my issue is. It isn't necessarily losing Real Muto. Once he entered the season, this past season, without a deal, I was 95% certain he would test free agency and be in a different uniform for the 2021 season. Again, I said that before the 60-game season started, and I could take screenshots of friends and, and colleagues of mine who said, I'm once again being negative, and uh, it's too early to tell. Obviously, as usual, I was correct um, because that's how the Phillies work. They much rather pay guys like Tommy Hunter, Jake Arrieta, Pat Neshack, David Robertson, and scrubs like that a ton of cash to bring nothing but facial ticks and boils on your ass than at least look into maybe keeping a guy like a Sixto Sanchez and a Jorge Alfaro. And especially if you're looking down the line and realizing we're getting JT Realmuto for this trade. Yes. Uh, best catcher in the world, but we're only really planning to keep him for the two years that we can control him, and then when it's time to pay him, we're just going to kind of move on out of that. My issue is that if Middleton knew two years ago that his plan all along was to obtain the right to Real Muto's final two years of his deal and let him walk in the free agency, why in the world would you let, would Sixto Sanchez, I'm oh, I'm sorry, why would Pedro Martinez Jr. be part of that deal? Even when Real Muto was acquired, the Phillies weren't even close to being a true contender. No shot. Look where they are now. And they had a better roster for this last 60-game gimmick than the full 162-game season uh, from last year. Sixto won't be 23 until the end of July next year. This is going to end up being one of the worst deals um, in Philadelphia Phillies history. I'm very confident in saying that on record, at least, at least in the modern era. So the Real Muto 6-0 situation is extremely disappointed, and some points of that are just maddening when you think hard about it. And when you when you look at the immediate needs of this Phillies team, it's actually downright catastrophic. Um, now, now, let's go to the former general manager, the absolute clown, Matt Klintak. In his five years as the leader of the Philadelphia Phillies, his team went a wonderful 326 and 382. Zero winning seasons, zero playoff appearances. I can't even name one trade that the guy won. Uh, he hired Gabe freaking Kapler, 
didn't want anything to do with Bryce Harper. It took the owner uh, to step in and get that completed. Um, he signed Jake Arrieta, and he signed uh, Andrew McCutcheon to massive contracts. I love Andrew McCutcheon. Top three or four favorite baseball player of all time. You know, my second, probably my second favorite outfielder of all time. But when you give a guy like him $60 million, my same question always comes up is, who were they bidding against? Who in their right mind was going to give Andrew McCutcheon $60 million? As as good as Andrew McCutcheon has been when he's been in the lineup, except for the torn ACL, he's been great. But he, he he's not a $60 million player. Um, you know, and, and then, of course, unfortunately, that knee injury hits. And, you know, if it wasn't for the the... You know, that's the 60-game season. He would have missed half a season. You know, maybe more than that, obviously. So it, it would have been really difficult to really get true value out of that huge deal. Uh, he depleted the farm system, exhausted it, drained it. It doesn't even exist. He set the team back years. You know, he's coming off a season where the Phillies have or had the seventh largest payroll uh, or highest payroll in baseball, and couldn't even get to 500. Never finished higher than third place in the division. Klentak, the boy wonder, said at the Bryce Harper introductory press conference that the time to win is now. So, good riddance, asshole. I, I, good friggin' riddance. Oh, oh, but wait. Is he really gone? Like, really, is, is Klentak really gone? Uh, you know, because Middleton announced that Klintak, who still has two years left on his contract, will be reassigned to a unspecified position in the organization. Should be janitor, but that's not going to happen. Assistant GM uh, Ned Rice will serve as interim general manager until a permanent successor uh, is hired to oversee the team's baseball operations. Basically, Ned Rice was the guy um, in all, you know, uh, basically went and got the uh, went to the printer and got the scouting reports that um, Matt Klintak was printing. Or if he needed a, a quick shot of a Starbucks, um, that was the guy to go do that for Matt Klintak. Um, you know, I hear things that Ned Rice is a very smart guy, all these things. I'm not here to bash Ned Rice. But obviously, he's not going to be uh, the future general manager of the Phillies. My problem is... Why is Matt Klintak still in the freaking building? Why is he still associated with the Philadelphia Phillies at all? I, I, I get he's got two years out on his contract. Why, if John Middleton knew anything, anything at all, um, about what he wants to do with this franchise moving forward, then why would you not just completely 100% cut ties with a general manager, a man who completely decimated the team that you are the majority owner of. I mean, obviously, it, it, it falls to you as well, Middleton. Uh, but what about Andy McPhail? Emphasis on fail. You know, it's you know, Middleton said it's the acquisition and development of the talent that is critical. I'll be looking for people who have proven that they can do that. We haven't produced the talent. You can't build a championship team around free agents. Hence, that was Matt Klintak's plan, you idiot. Um... Many fans have demanded all these changes after this season. They wanted not only Klintak on, but like I said, they also wanted team president Andy McPhail, who has one year left on his contract, gone. Middleton expressed confidence in McPhail, noting 
that McPhail had won the World Series in 1987 and 1991 as GM of the Minnesota Twins. Um, hey, uh, John, I, I, I know you're a cigar guy, and I'm not sure if a little bit too much of that smoke got up in that noggin of yours, but um, the most recent World Series that he was the GM of was... Um, um, it was um, it was like thirty years ago. We're we're approaching there, uh, pal, uh, and that's the issue. Thirty years ago, the game is so much different now. You know, back then veterans were so important on a roster. Where nowadays it's built from the youth. Um, you don't build teams around you know thirty year old players and stuff like that. You build from the farm system. You build from below. And Andy McPhail has completely failed as the team president, and it just goes right along with just the the, the monotonous, uh, brutal uh, mindset that this franchise has and has had uh, since the day that Matt Klintak hired Gabe Kapler. The second that Kapler went into John Middleton's office and said, let's hire Gabe Kapler, and that he heard that name and talked, probably talked to baseball people about that move, that should have been the tipping point for me to say, maybe Matt Klintak just isn't that guy, right? That's what I w- would have done. Um, and then, you know, Middleton, it, it, he just continues to, to make himself sound even better. Says, I have a lot of confidence in him, him being Andy McPhail, pronouns pal. Uh, he's been there. He's done that. He's won. Andy's attention will shift much more to the baseball side than it was a month ago. We'll get the benefit of that. Are you freaking kidding me? What are you going to get? What benefit have you had from Andy McPhail since he's been here? Remember, he's a guy. Uh, last year, the last time there was a full season in Major League Baseball, at the end of the season, when the Phillies were trying to make a run to actually make a, a, a playoff push, and they suffered a couple game losses in a row, and Andy McPhail sat in front of Philadelphia media uh, which is a direct link to the fans, the paying customer, and said, if we lose, oh, we lose. Who cares? If we lose, we lose. If it happens, it happens. What are you, what are you talking about? Is that any message that you now want to continue to push out to a fan base that has waited nine freaking years for a team in this, in this city, in baseball, to be competitive again? Literally, like... It, it, you don't tell me like the season where last season where they went 81 and 81 is competitive. It's not. It's trash. It's trash. Look at what the Braves have done. They've built that team from the ground up. You know, they have suffered more injuries to like their pitching staff this season than any team that I can I can absolutely remember. And they're, you know, just a couple wins away from reaching the World Freaking Series. And probably one of the favorites that could actually win it with a with a lineup from one to nine that's that good. So you're going to tell me that Andy McPhail will shift much more to the baseball side and that it will be a benefit. Shut up. Go away. I want John Middleton to sell whatever whatever shares he has of this team. Sell it. Get out of here. Uh, thank you for Bryce Harper, but by the way, you lied to him too because you're about two or three years away right before the man turns 30 to get that last big, huge contract. That's when you're about going to be done with Bryce Harper as well. 
and he's not going to take this for much longer. He was flat out lied to. As I said earlier with the Sixers in this city, he was hoodwinked and he was bamboozled um, from this management team that told him, you're going to be joining this team and we're here to win. We're going to win championships. Bryce Harper, still his choice in the end, took $330 million, turned down $300 million from a team that was built to win a championship. And the following year in 2019 with the Washington Nationals, won a championship. So you you tell me, you know, how Bryce Harper probably feels right now. Honestly, that that's that's what I want that's what I want to know. So Harper is sitting, you know, in, in the, the the last 2 years. Let's just look at the last full season and this season. Harper is sitting at home for the postseason in his, I'm sure, luxurious home in Las Vegas, Nevada, watching his former team, the team that drafted him number one overall, the team that he won an MVP with, um, the team that did offer him a $300 million deal. He watched that team go out and win the World Series on the first year of his brand-new 13-year contract with the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, this year, um, off of a 60-game season, he's now watching another team inside the National League East get just about you know a couple games away from reaching the World Series. So when when you look at the where the Nationals are and then you look at where the Braves are and then you look at a team like the Miami Marlins who has built that team again from the system up and where they're going, you know, they're they're they haven't even come close to reaching that ceiling. Um, they have such a they have a good starting pitching rotation. They have a lineup that just needs a little bit more tinkering. They're probably going to do that in the offseason. They're going to be probably considered better than the Phillies going into next season. What do you think Bryce Harper is thinking? You, when you got clowns like John Middleton making big-time baseball decisions, a guy who has already said before, you know, I'll make the big money decisions, but don't don't bother me with the small decisions. Just to let you know, those small decisions are what help teams get over the hump. The Atlanta Braves getting Marcelo Zuna on a one-year deal. You know, guys like that. They took a, a flyer on a, on a 30-year-old catcher. Um, you know, there, there's those kinds of moves. Just going out and, you know, getting Travis Darnell again on a short-term deal. You know, putting pieces together to, to understand what your lineup needs and where to get it and how to get it. The, 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 you know, to have a farm system. You know, then you got a, 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 you know, Mr. Consistent, a guy that is, you know, trending and tracking towards a Hall of Fame career and, and Freddie Freeman. And then, the, you know, that rotation that has had more injuries than any other team, any other rotation in Major League Baseball, is one of the most dominant pitching uh, staffs right now in the in the postseason. It's just incredible to watch the Braves and how they function. You know, the GM has done an incredible job, a spectacular job. Uh, it's an immaculate job compared to what the Phillies um, have produced over the last, you know, nine years. Um, you know, the Phillies have a lot of decisions to make. 
big ones. What are they going to do with Gene Segura? Is it a tradable contract? It's, it's probably not. You have a guy that's got two years left at big money, maybe like $15 million a year. He has completely trended downward, a rapid decline from his time in Seattle. The only bright spot there is, you know, he this past season he batted 298 with runners in scoring position. Whoop-de-friggin-do. He's one of the laziest ball players I've ever watched in my life. Um, he's been benched multiple times for it. Um He's one of the main reasons uh, Andrew McCutcheon uh, tore up his ACL because he just is, doesn't hustle, doesn't pay attention, um, is a lazy baseball player. You could just tell by the way he walks around the field. You could just tell by the way he he he, he stands in the box. He's just lackadaisical. Um, you know, has God-given talent that got him to where he is, but he just doesn't care about getting better. His uh, strikeout rate is rising. Um, you know, his pop-up rate is also rising because he, he doesn't have any power. Um, but like a lot of baseball players say, they just like to uppercut baseballs. Henceforth, the problem that we've seen with Reese Hoskins um, had success hitting a home run ball, then decided that he's just going to be a straight uppercut hitter. And that's that's what he became. And luckily, right before his UCL tear, he started to get uh, that swing back a little bit. Again, the jury's still out on on uh, uh, Reese Hoskins, um, you know what are the what are the Phillies going to do with Didi Gregorius? What kind of contract is he going to be looking on uh, looking for? He took a one year show me deal, and boy, did, was he such an, an integral piece to that Phillies team for even staying alive. He's probably the the main leader of that team, um, probably the most consistent player on that on that team. Um, just a an all world. Uh, defensive shortstop. You know, you got to look really long and hard at what you're going to do with Didi Gregorius because you're not getting Real Muto back. That's a certainty. You know, he might end up within your division. I can see Real Muto 100% going to uh, the New York Mets. Um, but you got to keep a guy like Didi Gregorius. But the thing is, I, I have zero trust that this team, whoever they put in that spot, um, is going to make the necessary moves to put this team in a position next year to one, maybe even compete for third or fourth place, like just to maybe get to 75, 80 wins. I, I don't know what they're going to do with the rotation. Zach Wheeler's good. He's a two, three. Aaron Nola was, you know, overrated and overvalued by the Philadelphia fan base and media since day one. If you look at his scouting report, and if you watched him in college, he's a three at his absolute peak his ceiling he's a low end too he doesn't have dominant stuff it's just that's just the way it is and look at his past uh his career september numbers they're awful they're disgusting there he's he's like he he pitches like a fourth or fifth starter when games start to mean something in september and that's a problem thank goodness he's not making big money like a lot of pitchers are thank goodness he's not making you know zach wheeler type money um so look, the Phillies have a lot of a lot of issues heading into this offseason. It's going to be an offseason that's going to be very disappointing because you just don't know where they're going. But you can bet for sure it's not going to be uh, JT Real Muto returning to the Phillies. It's just not going to happen. And I don't know what you know what kind of influence Bryce Harper is going to have. You know, he and 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 if he does want any influence now because he's been blatantly just completely lied to by this franchise. They brought him in here. 
and they offered him the world. They told him, this is a city that's going to love you. They do. This is going to be a franchise that's going to build around you. Has not happened, and it's not going to happen probably for a few years. And this is a team that's going to regularly compete for uh, you know, a division title, You know, eventually get to that World Series. Not going to happen. This team's at least three to four years away. Why? Because you have to build from your farm system and go up from there. The Phillies have zero farm system. Okay, And then you're already behind the eight ball with the success of the Miami Marlins and obviously the success of the Atlanta Braves. So, look, I, you can call me negative all you want. If you think I'm negative, then you're just somebody that I really don't want to communicate with when it comes to the Phillies because you have those red, uh, white, and blue blinders on and just love being... Um, just spread those legs and love getting just getting kicked right in the groin for 162 games um, by by any Philadelphia Philly um, management uh, personnel um, because it's just embarrassing what this team ha- has done with the money that it's you know that it, it um, it's had bestowed on it you know and it's it's no wonder that the uh, you know the attendance has been down except for the obviously the first year with Bryce Harper, where they had over 2.7 million people. But if you just look at that trend from the last few years before that, it's going to get worse, especially if you don't bring a real Muto back, if you don't maybe sign a Gregorius, if you don't make a huge upgrade to the pitching staff, and, and you don't build a little bit of a bullpen or, or do something with that lineup. You know, you're going to have a lot of ticked off-season ticket holders that won't re-up. I've already spoke to at least 15 of them. That just will not re-up on their season tickets. Um, and that's going to be a big problem for this team moving forward. So, um, look, I'm going to have plenty to say in the future about the Philadelphia Phillies. But this was on my mind. I just wanted to come on here and just have a, a destruction uh, of of the Phillies where I stand as a diehard fan. Uh, I Baseball is my baby. It's my number one and has been since I've been five years old. So we're going on almost, you know, we're pushing, you know, 30 years of baseball being my, my love, my passion. And, you know, somebody put it best. I got to go find it. They put it on my, uh, my Facebook page and his name is Alex. And, um, I, he used to be a co-worker uh, of mine, and he wrote this about it. He goes, I'll always be a fan because I have to, but they're like that disappointing family member that's always asking to borrow money from you. And I think that's a phenomenal analogy. Um, you know, They'll talk you into that building, but once you get into that building, you realize, oh boy, what have I... <laughs> what pyramid scheme was I just sucked into? Um, you know, I, I just feel really bad for... For guys like uh, a real Muto who probably wants to remain a Philly, remain in this town, you know, he's best friends with Bryce Harper. I feel awful for guys like Bryce Harper, um, who really just want to flat out win championships, win baseball games, um, and he's just not gonna—he's not going to get that here in the foreseeable future. I just don't see it. If I'm wrong, then I—I I cannot wait to come on this microphone and say. Boy, oh boy, was I wrong. John Middleton was a genius, and boy, did he put the right people in place uh, to get this team turned around. Um, But I still think the Phillies are about three to four years away from really becoming a team that could possibly, uh, you know, contend just to be competitive in their own division. Uh, I do. You know, they're going to continue, I think, to just spend bad money um, 
or spend no money to get rid of some of that payroll, which means it's just gonna they're gonna suffer in some areas. They're still paying uh, trash cans like Adubo Herrera, so it's just it's one just one nightmare after another uh, with this team, and I'm just worried about where we're gonna go next, but. You know, this has been Face Off with Chris. I am Chris C. Francisco. I hope you guys um, enjoyed this rant. Maybe you guys didn't and you want to let me know about it. Please do. I'm on social media everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you guys know the usernames. I've said them numerous times. And um, most of you listening, obviously, are probably already uh, – have connected with me. Uh, looking forward to talking to you guys next week, hopefully after maybe an Eagles win at home against Baltimore with fans in the stands. 7,500 will be packed in the Lincoln Financial Field um, Sunday against the Ravens, hoping for a win there. Not really hopeful, but you just never know. It's the National Football League. Any given Sunday, right? Um, Chrissy Francisco, Face Off with Chris here on the Enterprise Sports Network. I will catch you guys down the road. Have a good and safe one. Bye-bye.